Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the podcast where I approach the topic of coronavirus. I am uh, not really worried about coronavirus, but I'm very interested in how it's changing uh, the, 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 the shape of our experience. If you really look carefully at what's happening here, um, I don't think it takes a lot to see that this is obviously a, a very different world we live in, where the response to this virus is so, uh, it's on such a larger magnitude than anything that's ha- happened in any of our recent uh, experience. So, you know, I want to talk about a couple of practical things. Um, I am not a physician. I am not an infectious disease doctor. I am, however, trained in reading and deciphering and understanding peer-reviewed journals and understanding how to actually read the, you know, scientific data versus uh, popular journalism and media and and everything else. And so there's about 85 to 90 percent social media happening right now. And like 10 to 15% maybe legitimate science that's out there. And so um, I don't pretend to have all the answers about what's happening. But I do have some answers. And I want to give those to you because that's what, that's what I try to do. So uh, here's the thing. Most likely, you're going to get coronavirus. And most likely... It's going to be a sickness. You'd be a little sick. You might have already gotten it and not even really know. And and then it's going to be over with. So that's like the likelihood, most likely. So I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who is very anxious and uh, sort of unraveled a bit about what's happening here on a global scale. And, uh, and she, you know, went into all the different measures ahead of time preparing, buying up a bunch of stuff, uh, lockdown, you know, getting her kids out of stuff and all this. And I think a lot of that is really healthy, but her, her response emotionally seemed to be very, very anxious. And I was talking to her about it and I was like, well, let me ask you this. What if you knew that 100% you're going to get coronavirus and 100% you're going to be safe and it's going to be like a maybe a bad sickness maybe nothing maybe mild but either way you get it a couple weeks it's gone your kids are safe nobody's going to die from it what if you had that assurance like what if you knew 100% that that was the case what how would that change how you feel right now and she was like well I guess I guess that's not such a big deal like it, it would make me feel better I was like uh you know let's, let's just play the odds here. Statistically, like that's probably what's going to happen. And she kind of laughed. She looked at me and laughed and she was like, okay. And, and I could tell like the wheels were turning a little bit. Like, you know, I'm not coming in here slamming the preparation. I'm not saying that it's a hoax. I'm not saying that it's a big, you know, conspiracy theory or it's all because of politics or it's all because of the social media or media or whatever. It's, it's a legitimate thing that's happening. There's a legitimate illness that's going around and it's highly contagious and it's uh, very little is known about it because it is new. So, you know, that's the, that it's called a novel 
coronavirus. So it's, there's something new about this. It's a new strain. We don't really know a lot about it. So all of that's true. But mostly that just makes it really fascinating to science. That's how it should be. It doesn't actually, uh, you know, change the lived experience in itself of, of most people's lives. And so that's why, like, this response is so over the top because the thing, there are other diseases that in themselves are obviously more, more deadly or, you know, more widespread or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, we have to separate, like, the thing itself to, from the, the response to the thing. And the response to the thing is where I find it like even more fascinating and also what we really should be sort of aware of and understand what we're doing here. So should you be preparing? Yes. If you're not already limiting the amount of time that you're spending out in public or seeing other people or being in public places, do so. Limit as much as you can right now. Really kind of go into your own self-imposed lockdown. Um, My family uh, started last week. We took the week off this week. Uh, we have a nanny. We do a bunch of homeschooling activities. Uh, it's funny. People have this idea of homeschooling that you're just sort of like locked up in your house like recluses. I saw in Babylon B, there was an article that said uh, lockdown is creating something about lockdown creating a situation in which homeschoolers will continue doing the very same thing they've always done. <laughs> so that's the perception. That's actually not true. Uh, if any of you are homeschooled, were homeschooled, or are home- homeschooling children. Uh, we have community activities every day. So we've canceled all that. You know, there's like a nature camp, there's swimming lessons, there's uh, a comp, there's a, a co-op, you know, we have a, a special math class, you know, Russian math that's outside of the, out of, out of, side of the home, all the, the above. We decided to cancel last week. And uh, we live in Connecticut, right outside of Westchester County, New York, where uh, the one of the hot spots is so they they called in the National Guard and they have whatever whatever they decide I mean lockdown really doesn't mean much um, there's still people all around there's still very good opportunities to spread the virus so it requires personal decisions to be safe okay so that's number one is create distance lock yourself down as much as possible but not like the plague is out in the air if you step outside to breathe. Okay, if you have to go out, I'm actually driving right now. I was down in DC and uh, I was actually looking at opening up a new office down in the DC area for the Catholic Psych Institute. So that's really cool. Uh, and I was meeting with some priests down there and I was at the Basilica and I was at the JP2 shrine and um, we're looking at some different st- ideas for, for re- interacting with the seminaries down there and doing assessments and that kind of stuff. So uh, and then, and then I'm, I'm driving up. So I was just in a rest stop. I'm in New Jersey right now on the parkway and, uh, around the turnpike. And I had to stop at the rest stop. So like immediately, like you just have to be aware. Now, I wonder if there's a way to, to learn how to become more aware of the present moment so that when you're doing things, you can be fully awake to what you're doing. I think there's something that like that. In fact, we might have it here. Mindfulness is so helpful 
right now. And like, I, I was like really feeling each step going up to the, uh, you know, going up to the, um, the, the door to get into the rest stop. And then, uh, I saw, I saw this guy ahead of me and he had put his coat over his hand. He's like opening up the door. And then I was a good, like 20 feet behind him. And he looked back at me and he held the door open for me. And so, because I was paying attention, instead of just ruminating on how bad the bathroom was going to be in the rest stop, I, I just ran ahead. I saw him, I was like really grateful, nice little pleasant exchange. And, and so that was really nice. So and then I was aware of, first of all, haven't had a reason to pay attention to how much I touch my face during the day. I mean, people, I looked this up, people touch their, their faces like 75 times a day or something crazy. It's like, or maybe it was an hour. I forget. It was some, something ridiculous. I just thought it was like absurd that we actually touch our face that much. And it's true. So if you start to pay attention and, and try to have mindful awareness of what you're doing with your hands, you realize that there's a lot that you can do to be preventative. So I went into the restroom or the rest stop. I, I wanted to get a coffee and, and had to use the bathroom. And the whole time I'm just like being really cognizant of what I'm touching, not touching as much as I don't have to. And, you know, as soon as I got back to the car, you know, I got my hand sanitizer and, you know, just that's, that's, you know, that's the way it goes. Here's, here's a reality about, um, the virus, a vi- any virus, uh, it, it enters in your body through your mouth, your nose, your eyes, it's got to go through uh, an actual orifice into your body. Like it doesn't go into your skin. So people get this idea that it's like out there and almost like you can just, if you step outside, it's like pollution. You're going to breathe it into your lungs and you're sick now. That's not the case with, with this virus. So now with that being said, uh, it's, it's one nine hundredth the size of a human hair. Okay. So it's, it's minuscule and ridiculously small that you're, you, you, you can't, you, know, you have to be aware of, of where you can actually get it on your skin, on your hands, and then onto your face, into your mouth, just by touching your face. You know, it's not like you're going to see it on your hand and then be able to avoid it because you see it. Like, act as if it's on your hands. And so don't put your hands near your face. That's, that's kind of like a good rule of thumb. And then... Anytime that you are aware of touching something that's out in public or a surface where other people could have touched it within the last week, because the virus can be alive on a on a surface outside of a body for a week, uh, at least. And so any anything that anybody might have touched in the last week that you touch, assume that you have this on your hands and now you have to wash your hands. That's all. It's very simple. Okay. And 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 then that's that's how to prepare yourself. That's how to act accordingly right now. And you can, you know, so like I said, avoid that if possible. If you have to go to the grocery store, get groceries. If you you know have to go to the to the drug store to get some medicine or whatever, just carry on. But don't do the extra stuff. Like swim class, we could cancel this week for the kids. You know, nature class, we could cancel. We're getting a lot of nature right now. Kids are drawing pictures of close-ups of the microbial 
you know, illustrations of <laughs> the coronavirus. It's really funny. But, you know, we, we don't have to go into like, you know, like a nuclear fallout kind of shelter protection. Okay, then, then the second piece is is just realizing that this is a different way of life for a little while. And there are major shifts happening. So preparing for not having enough supplies is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's got to be a balance here. So you can't buy up a year's worth of toilet paper. Like, that's just not reasonable. If there's no place to get toilet paper a month from now, we're going to have a lot bigger problems than just not having toilet paper. So there's a bit of an unreasonable panic that's settled in. And it's just not an accurate way to look at what's going on. Okay, another thing to think about is how the virus, the, the, the current picture is, is like a one to two week delay of what actually happened one to two weeks ago. And this is also something that people aren't really connecting with this idea because there's an incubation period and the spread of the virus overlaps the incubation period to some extent. They're not really clear. We don't know for certain like the days, but but in some sense, we could say like what we see now is the result of two weeks ago. And that means that other places in the world, what we see now can also be a picture of like what two weeks ahead might look like if there's anything that's tracking the same way that we're tracking here. Now, something like China, obviously that's like way bigger, but even in China, like today, there's in the single digits new cases. So they've already sort of, you know, the whole flatten the curve thing came out after last night, after yesterday. So flat, they've already, they're already flattening the curve in China. So the, the end is in sight, even in the worst case situation. To, to flatten the curve of the actual virus. Italy is a whole nother story. Italy is a developed country. Yes, they have a developed healthcare system. They are also in complete and total disorganization. So, you know, people are like, oh, what's happening in Italy can happen here. No, it can't. Because it's, it's actually a cultural divide. There's a cultural mindset shift. If you, if you are in the U.S., and you move to Italy, you have to actually significantly change your cultural expectations of the way society works because of how different the culture is set up there with their schedules, with their organization. You know, if you if you try to plan a reservation for dinner, if you try to plan a trip that's based on a train schedule or the fact that a train is even running and not on strike or you, you, you know, try to go to the grocery store or get a taxi. All of these things are radically different experiences than what we're used to in the U.S. And how, what they do in, say, Germany. You know, Germany has, has uh, very few cases. And so even though they say they're preparing for having up to 70%, that a lot of people are saying that's like a gross overestimate. Because they're so organized 
Whereas Italy, they're very disorganized. And, you know, for better or for worse, this is not a judgment. This is just to say you, you have to compare apples to apples. So we're not going to end up in a, an Italy-type situation. Not because we can't get sick, but because their healthcare system is not set up to receive the huge overflow of cases. Now, we I'm not saying that we're going to handle it perfectly if we have a huge overflow, but it's not going to be the same as Italy. So that's something to keep in mind. And then exactly what to prepare for stocking up on. Okay, look at Purell is a healthy thing and now it's out of stock. So that's one example of something that you probably need or that you could have needed, but you could also stock up on. Rubbing alcohol, 70% rubbing alcohol is is a, a very effective agent to immediately kill the virus. And you, there are plenty of YouTube videos and, and DIY tutorials on how to make your own disinfectant with rubbing alcohol. So stock up on some rubbing alcohol, maybe. Depending on how far and wide the spread of the panic is. Not because of the virus itself, but if you want to make yourself feel a little bit better, like you're prepared, and then your heart sinks when you look up Purell on Amazon, and you feel dread in the pit of your stomach, and you wonder if you should pay $100 on eBay for four ounces of Purell, just get a 16-ounce bottle of rubbing alcohol, which last I checked, it was still available on Amazon. Okay, make yourself feel better by doing that. And, and you've got enough alcohol to wipe out the virus, you know, for a year. That's just one example. Now, here's another thing. If you get the, the, the virus and, and you get sick, it's a sickness. You're going to feel the flu. You're going to feel the sickness, most likely. Now, if you have a, a compromised immune system, if you have asthma, diabetes, like they list out this stuff. Like, yes, there are compromised and more vulnerable individuals over 60, all those things. Those are those are uh, considerations. And if that's the case, just make yourself more quarantined than normal. So if you, just like if you had a, a loved one in the hospital, you know, when a baby is born, you know, you don't invite Uncle Joe, who's got a, a you know, who's co- who's got the flu, to come see the newborn baby at the hospital. When you have an older person who's in the hospital, you, you don't, if you have a little cough, you don't go see them at the hospital. These are normal, reasonable ways of understanding how to operate in these times. And so there are those exceptions where we have some people that have uh, more, more sensitive needs. But ultimately, with all this stuff happening, I want to bring us back as a community, understanding integrated life, understanding abandonment to divine providence, understanding how to be in the present moment with trust in God who loves and protects and, 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 and saves us, that we should be at peace. This is my number one paramount absolute gift that I want to share and teaching that I want to give is that there's nothing that should disturb our peace. So no matter what happens, whether it be something simple or something grand on a grand major scale, 
there is still nothing that should steal our peace. God is not thwarted by coronavirus. God's love for us is not thwarted by coronavirus. His power is not thwarted by coronavirus. And his involvement in our lives is not thwarted by coronavirus. So just as was true in January, that God loves us, knows us, is interested in our lives, wants us to draw, wants to draw us closer to him through anything that's going on and is, as, is powerful enough to do so. It's still true today and it's going to be true tomorrow. If this thing mutated and turned into the zombie apocalypse, we're all going to be okay. It doesn't matter how widespread, how terrible, how difficult the situation is. And this is so far from that. Even though based on the media storm and the response, public response, you'd think like this is actually what's happening right now. Uh, this is, that's not what, ha- what is happening. But even if it was, we cannot lose our peace. There's no reason to lose our peace. At the end of the day, we're all going to pass through the portal of death to enter into eternal life. And there's no avoiding it. There's no getting around it. And it's going to be the gateway to our eternal happiness. So let's focus on that. Let's praise God for another day. Let's praise God for all these, you know, amazing uh advances in science and technology and medicine and the amazing advances of of even the even the 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 media technology i mean it's incredible i mean the guy who held the door open for me today what a beautiful man and and you know he saw me and that's like we're in this together you know he gets it we all get it and and we have to just tone down the anxiety response we have to tone down the panic and and turn up the trust so let that be our theme for Coronaphobia 2020. Turn down the panic and turn up the trust. If somebody wants to make a bumper sticker or, or a button or something, we can do that. So anyways, I hope this blesses you. I hope you can take a breath. Um, not downplaying the severity of what happens if people get sick and die at all. But I, I am saying that we need to, we need to all take a breath and embrace where we're at right now. And, and down the road, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about the fascinating things that are happening as a social response. Because what's happening now, like even the fact that all these teachers are being forced to uh, to, to do their teaching online and, and they're being forced into online learning, I think this is going to be a huge shift for our culture. Um, work you know, people are, are switching to remote work where possible. Just thinking about on this drive, like all this traffic on the Jersey Turnpike. Like think about how much traffic is going to be reduced when the majority of people are working from home. And and like we have this cultural shift to the advent of uh, online, the online interactions. So something that we've been doing with online teaching, with Skype therapy, online therapy, you know, all these different sort of staying with the, the advent of new technology. Now the whole, you know, the, a lot of the world sometimes drags their feet. And now the whole world's getting a little bit of a kick in the pants into this new era. 
So we'll see if it sticks. I think that's really fascinating. That's a whole nother conversation. But anyways, stay safe, stay healthy, stay isolated if possible. Reach out, connect to people online, uh, use integrated life. Go back into Catholic mindfulness with all your extra free time if you're doing your social distancing. And remember that God is in charge. God bless you.